from the new recording lair located deep beneath the Wine and Spirit Store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, no wagering. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now, here's your host. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 71, episode 71 Masonic Light Podcast. Coming in a little late here because uh, I started laughing. Uh, well, one of our guests asked me if the lady in the intro was my wife, but I said, no, that's, he didn't say lady, he just pointed at the speakers and said, is that your wife? I'm like, no, that's Brian, he's right there. <laughs> so, uh, so with us today in studio, we're going to be talking today about... The Boy Scouts of America, or just scout scouting America, whatever you guys Scouts call it. Scouts BSA, man. Scouts BSA. And, um, and kind of the relationship with Freemasonry. Uh, your host today, Larry Maris. Yeah, I'm here. Tim Dedman. Hey. Producer Josh. How's it going? And our in-studio, our golden-throated announcer. Hey, good to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, identify yourself. Yeah, I'm Brian Hill, the uh, the voice of the Masonic Villages at Elizabethtown and throughout the and, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And yes. the voice of Masonic Light Podcast. Well, that too. And uh, how about our guests? Could you introduce yourselves, please? I'm Dave Gerstenlauer. I'm in uh, Mechanicsburg with Eureka West Shore Lodge. And I'm Ken Robinson. I'm uh, from Eureka West Shore Lodge in Mechanicsburg. Well, welcome, and I think, uh, I, I say raise your hands, but uh, that doesn't work well in radio. Um, so, our, our three guests today are all Eagle Scouts, is that correct? Correct. Yes. All righty. So Actually, got- I am an outstanding Eagle Scout. Oh. Two years ago, the we National have a Eagle level. Scout Association uh, designated me as an outstanding That means Eagle you didn't Scout. pay your dues? You're outstanding? Where were you standing out at? I was in a field. I was a man outstanding in the field, like a farmer. Yeah. So, um, what we do here, we we, try, we don't go into depth because we all have such big Masonic schedules. But if, if any of us have done anything notable in the past two weeks Masonically, Josh, have you done anything exciting? No, not, nothing. All right. Tim? Uh, I guess the most notable thing Masonically I've done is assist uh, about four secretaries in getting their lodge audits done, which uh, that's pretty notable given this time of year. But in terms of other meetings, they're all in front of us at this point. All right. After you. I try not to do anything notable ever. <laughs> I can't remember anymore whether it was two weeks or three weeks, but uh, a couple weeks ago I was in the 22nd degree as uh, one of the woodsmen uh, for the Prince of Libanus degree in the Lancaster Lodge of Perfection. Sounds very exciting. How, how, were there like nine people there to see it? <laughs> <laughs> Closer to 19. Oh, excellent. Very good. Brian? I uh, 
completed my travel arrangements for a trip to Milwaukee in August. Oh, very. That's very Ooh. fancy. Well, that to receive the 33rd degree yes. in the ancient and accepted Scottish, Scottish right. right. That's right. We have royalty in our presence. The, um, the, Soon to be royalty. The 33rd and last degree. Yes. yes. In the Scottish right. Correct. You have to finish that sentence in the Scottish right. Because right, yes. there's, there's plenty of other degrees. I just gave out the yellow dog last week. You could have should have been there. Yeah. Well, that's one I don't have. All right. <laughs> there we go. I'll probably, I'll probably do it in the fall at the Eastern State ESGA Grotto Association in the fall. So, Larry, anything? Nah. No. Yeah, I don't think I had anything either. I did a hoagie sale. That's it. You were somewhere eating pot pie the other night. I was at a regularly stated lodge meeting. Oh, well, that's notable. Well, not notable. How many bowls of pot pie did you have? Two. Two big bowls of pot pie. All right. We've so, got something really uh, uh, oh. important to talk about, though. Something that happened tonight that, as I understand, has never happened in the history of the Masonic Light podcast. Oh, yes. At, at dinner. Yes. <laughs> Larry actually paid for the check. It was a, a, we, the, the place quaked. <laughs> um, but he had a check at least it wasn't over $20 so right. he, he uh, felt okay to pay <laughs> so uh, and, and fortunately there were enough of us there to witness it yeah, we can right. probably we can get, people about about right. yeah. we can get people to believe it yeah so we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back because Larry's fixing microphones it's making so much noise we'll be right back why choose George J. Grove and Sons for your next home improvement project at George J. Grove & Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning to materials to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com. We're back. Uh, as Pete mentioned before the break, tonight is a very special night. Uh, we're going to be talking about scouting and Freemasonry. And I know that uh, there are a lot of folks out there that are in uh, the fraternity that kind of uh, made their way up uh, through scouting. I did not proceed further than just a couple of years into Boy Scouting. But uh, uh, anyway, the three guests that we have in studio have phenomenal resumes and uh, looking forward to tonight's uh, uh, conversation about that. Uh, as we mentioned, we have Brother Ken Robinson, Brother Dave Gerstenlauer, and Brother Brian Hill. Uh, Ken, why don't you tell us just a little bit about your scouting background? Um well, I was a scout myself growing up. At the same time, I was also a DMLA, so I got to do both of them at the same time, which was a lot of fun, kept me busy. Um, when my kids uh, got to the age, I uh, started in the Cub Scout pack helping my oldest son and transitioned with him up to the Boy Scout troop. Um, only wanted to be an assistant scoutmaster just to hang out, but I wound up being the scoutmaster for the troop. I was a 
third scoutmaster in the troop that was uh, one and a half years old. And I proceeded to do that for 11 years. And then I transitioned over to the committee where I became an Eagle coach. And from our young troop, we have just now had our 49th Eagle Scout, which is pretty cool. We're that, pretty excited about that's that. That's awesome. That's great. Dave, why don't you, uh, Dave Gerstenlauer, tell us a little bit about your uh, scouting background. I uh, I grew up here in Ephrata, where our podcast is located, and uh, we had a uh, scout troop at my church and a cub pack, so I started in with the cub pack. I um, My dad was always on the committee doing something, so I joined, I got involved, and I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, we had a number of uh, camp opportunities here in Lancaster County uh, and uh, did a lot of hiking, and we thought that's what it was. There were other troops that did other things, but we did a lot of camping and hiking, and as I got older and went to college, I ended up joining a, uh, a scout troop up in uh, State College, Pennsylvania, and uh, as I got into the Army, I ended up participating in councils and other places and then came back to Pennsylvania and uh, moved around with my job and stayed involved in scouting for the last, I don't want to say how many years because I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I got the full experience with all the the scout, the, the leadership, and then uh, my last job I was a, a venture crew. So we did all outdoor adventure. And uh, now I'm still just a good old committee chair, not chairman, but committee member That's of a great. scout troop. And I understand, and Ken, I believe this is true for you also, you're both recipients of the Daniel Carter Beard Award? Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Great, and as we transition to Brian Hill, who I believe actually came up through with scouting with Daniel Carter Beard. Is that true? <laughs> Uh, no, it was oh. uh, Seton. Seton, but, uh, okay. Yeah, the right. other fa- one of the other founders here in the uh, <laughs> United States. I've been uh, involved for over 50 years, starting as a scout. We didn't have Cub Scouts when I was growing up. Lucky enough to, uh, to be in a troop that was uh, active enough that I could earn the Eagle Scout Award. I was on camp staff for four years before I went into the Army. Uh, became a vigil in the Order of the Arrow. Uh, while I was in the Army, I was an assistant scoutmaster. When I got out of the Army, I went to college because I wanted to be a scout executive. And you had to have a four-year degree. And that was the only reason I went to college. Starting out in secondary chemistry, and then my advisor said, you know, you might want to rethink this. <laughs> so I took psychology. He said, you can BS your way through that, but not chemistry. So, Yeah. And it, it is... As things come about, that professor was my junior warden when I was a worshipful master of my lodge. I mean, that's, that's really something. And I've been uh, active on the council and the district level. I was on the executive board, uh, council camping chairman, and now I'm just uh, a council member at large. So they just look for advice and consent from me. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Order of the Arrow. Dave, I believe you were in Order of the Arrow also? Yes. Uh, I had uh, – actually, it's 
The one thing I still like about scouting is because it's a brotherhood of scouting. It's service. Uh, it's camping. Um, so I, I started out in uh, southern Lancaster County. There was a Camp Chiquitan, and I did my ordeal there. Now, for, for our listeners who are uh, not in these really secret exclusive clubs like 33rds going to Milwaukee or we're not in the Order of the Arrow, can you just give us a brief history on the Order of the Arrow, what it is? Well, the uh, Order of the Arrow was uh, started actually by two Masons, uh, three Masons, uh, Brother E. Erner Goodman, Brother Carol A. Edison, and Brother William M. Hinkle. And as you can imagine, there are a lot of similarities between the Order of the Arrow and Masonry because they were all Masons and, um, and definitely involved in scouting program. Uh, they started over at uh, what was called Treasure Island. Uh, I believe that's in the Delaware River. Mm-hmm. Um, east, I understand and, it literally ended up in the Delaware River at one point. Yes, exactly. Okay. That, kind of under it. Okay. Know. Yeah. Well, and it's no longer in operation because it was flooded so many times. Right. Yeah. And they just, the Order of the Arrow uh, became uh, known as lodges for the local level, hmm. similar to Masonic lodges. So they they moved their way west and north and south from the Philadelphia area, and uh, you know spread across the United States. Uh, it's for it's an honorary camping uh, organization. You must have a minimum number of days and nights of camping and uh, be at least a first class scout so that you are aware of the outdoor skills. So um, the first. Just like in masonry, there are three degrees. There's three separate levels of uh, knowledge and information and honor at the Order of the Arrow. So the ordeal level, the brotherhood level, and then the vigil honor. And uh, so I I mentioned I did my ordeal in uh, Camp Chiquitan. I did my brotherhood at Camp J. Edward Mack, also part of this council the local where Ephrata is located. And then I went to um, Keystone Area Council and received my vigil honor. Okay. Ken, I understand you have an interesting connection to the Order of the Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, not much of a connection. I was uh, elected like five times and um, just never had the time to get over to the ordeal. <laughs> and the last time I was actually... Uh, still a scoutmaster near the end of my tenure and they wanted to send me and i said okay well when i I really want to do this when when are they and they gave me the dates and i said no i can't make that date no i can't make that date just nominate somebody else that would be good for you (laughs) so they've quit asking now i've i've kind of missed the boat (laughs) it kept sailing on me yeah when you attend a, a lodge meeting when they open the lodge and close the lodge you swear you are in a masonic lodge uh, it's so Masonic. In fact, it was so Masonic that back in, I believe it was 1937, they demasonified the Order of the Arrow because they called them degrees, that there were three degrees, and wow. they changed it to three honors instead of degrees. It was called the Grand Lodge. Now it's called the National Lodge. <laughs> so they made a lot, of, uh, a lot of changes. The password suddenly became the admonition instead of a password. But there are still grips and signs wow the one thing i remember 
and I was not in the Order of the Arrow. I was a uh, Star Scout, and I remember at Camp Horseshoe, the kids that were in the Order of the Arrow got to go, and they had a special, like, they could get hamburgers, and they could get sodas, and they could get all these things that we couldn't. We all just had to sit around and wait until chow. So Is it kind of like a uh, table lodge? Uh, for a <laughs> <laughs> So, go ahead. Are you still a star then? Oh, yeah. Well, as I said jokingly earlier, but uh, there came a point around 15 or 16, and I kind of gave up camping for girls. But I didn't get anywhere with the girls, so I should have just stayed camping. (laughs) Because, yeah, I I didn't advance on either front. (laughs) So, thinking back uh, to your scouting experience, um, and all of that predates your Masonic uh, connections, um, did that in any way um, predispose you or lead you towards seeking uh, to become part of the Masonic fraternity, or did at the time you did it, you saw no connection and really... I saw no connection, but it was soon after that, after experiencing the degrees and becoming involved in the lodge and, and so forth and learning our degrees, uh, I soon started to see the connection between scouting and Freemasonry. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that we can talk about that, that show how they are so similar. You would think that Lord Baden-Powell, the founder of Boy Scouts, must have been a Freemason. But he wasn't. Really? I, I was in Demolay and Scouts at the same time. And um, I found that it was pretty evident the parallels between them. They, the difference for me was one, I was dressed up in a suit and tie for, for D Malay and scouting. I was going out camping, but the, the message between the two of them was, was quite the same. They were very similar. And so, yeah, that it, they kind of built on each other and, and were exceptionally complimentary. And Dave, you come from a, both a scouting and a Masonic family background, as I understand it. Yes, um, I was also in De Molay, uh here in this building, Cloister Chapter. He's reliving his youth. Yes, <laughs> uh, walking through the building, I just was beside myself. Taking us with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I always enjoyed the, the similarity between um, you know, the precepts of De Molay and the scout law. As it, and, and, of course, we don't expound on all of those things in um, masonry, but we, we do look at those things as the ingredients for character that we look for in a mason. So without asking you to violate either your scouting oaths and obligations or your Masonic ones, talk a little bit about what those you can uh, do. Well, the, um, the, the scout law is, you know, is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous. Reverent. Kind. kind. <laughs> oh, <God>. Obedient. <laughs> Cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. And, and, and now reverent. reverent. Now reverent. And the, there and you the go. scout oath. Brian brought a PowerPoint, by the way, so we, we didn't know. <laughs> but, you know, the, we have an oath, just like the Masons have an oath. Uh, but ours, of course, isn't secret. But in scouting, but you know, it's it's common. It's a lot of it seems to be common sense. On my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country. 
couple of things that you see in a lodge is, you know, with uh, the American flag and the, and the, the Holy Bible being present uh, and to obey the scout law to help other people at all times. I think that's what Masons are trying to do is help other people uh, in the lodge or in the community or, you know, in, in your region to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. And I think the, the Masons encourage lifelong learning, enlightenment, you know, as well as, you know, the guiding principles of morality. All right. When we visit a lodge, they ask you, how, how, what do we tell them? So that's one of the similarities between the two. Okay. This scouts, is great- have, scouts have to have a belief in God. Right. Well, and we a- believe in a supreme being. <laughs> Are you... I'll take a breath and you can talk now. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tim. This is a great, this is an awesome conversation, and we're trying to figure out a way to pay for this Larry, podcast. Larry, so. you're not even on the mic, so why you can go pee whenever you want. <laughs> That's the real reason. Larry's got to go pee. So uh, we're going to take a break, and we're going to okay. come back with this great conversation. We'll be right back. At the historic Smithton Inn of Ephrata, Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster, all to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions, just minutes from the Ephrata Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market, and a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse, or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life, one that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com or simply call us at 717-733-6094. Just ask for Passmaster Dave. This is Darren Katz, District Deputy Grandmaster of the 42nd Masonic District. You are listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. And we're back. Uh, tonight, we are having a great conversation about scouting and Freemasonry. And uh, now that Larry's back uh, from the bathroom, uh, he's not wearing gloves tonight, so we can't tell if he peed on his glove or not tonight. But uh, it's also not as cold outside. So we're, we're just glad to be back after uh, we decided or we discovered that this is the first show in probably three months that we've not had snow on the ground. I, I just want to say one thing. Jack Harley's not here again tonight. Have you noticed that? Oh, I didn't notice. Well, Jack Harley's uh, still employed. That's right. Yeah, yeah, he's out. He's Unlike out the rest of us, who... again. <laughs> At, uh, he, he, I, well, anyway, Jack, wherever you are, hope you're having fun. Well, I hope he's going to call in some news here in a few minutes. <laughs> he's on Facebook. I just saw he created a new group for the podcast. Oh, or something, I saw that. He's yeah. a, he must be really upset that he's missing it. Yeah, we should like Skype him in at some point or something. So, but anyway, we Everybody were before the break. That one. Yeah, we were uh, <laughs> we were before the break having a conversation about the similarities. And uh, Brian, I think where you were were going to go to were the similarities in the types of programs and so on. So, talk a little bit about that. Well, first of all, I'd like to say that uh, 
I thought I was supposed to be the star of the show. <laughs> and when I uh, when I told I left, these other two guys the same when thing, I left so. the house tonight, my wife said, "Try not to dominate." the conversation give the other guys a chance to talk this is what you get from a council person oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i didn't oh, mention oh wait that was the oa guy yeah i'm not oa guy that said that. and i was a scout executive i got paid to do it so that's, that's the other thing that uh, i got to that listen the, for free that the the uniform scouters you know look down their noses at the we professionals <laughs> but anyway i used to be a, a prison warden and, well, there's a real connection. And, to, and you have to be a type A personality. So I'm a type A personality, and sometimes I have to ratchet it back a little bit. I've gotten better at it uh, because I'm so old, the oldest person here. So you're I come, older than Larry? I, come with, I, I don't think you're older than Larry. Uh, you're right. I'm not. Yeah, chronologically or otherwise, Larry's older than I am. Yeah, Larry's yes. got a lot of city miles. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at any rate, as I was interrupted so that Larry could go to the bathroom, <laughs> we were talking about there are similar moral principles of both Masons and Scouts. And I mentioned one, that Scouts have to believe in a supreme being, and so do Masons. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the similarities. The other is the Scouts talk about their duty to their country. You heard it when uh, we were reading the, or <laughs> reciting, no, partially no, reciting. He read that. Reciting, yeah. Some of us can do it from memory. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, as Masons, we say that we will obey the laws of God and man. So there, that's very, very similar. Uh, you heard him say, as he was reading it so well, <laughs> that scouts promise to help other people at all times. And we as Masons, we extend charity and, and brotherly love. Now, Brian, now that you're an executive at the uh, Masonic Villages, you have an opportunity to help old ladies across the street, like, every day. <laughs> I, can also, I can also fetch their walkers. <laughs> oh, there goes, there goes our listenership go. in the villages. Here we go. Yeah. Well, we're going to go down from two to one. Go from two to one. That's right. Yeah. And uh, when we talk about the moral code, we talk about you know, where do the scouts get it? They get it from the scout oath and the scout law. And we get it through our degrees and our obligations. So... Given the the wide and vast experiences that you all have had, both from um, from from being a participant in scouting to being leaders in scouting over many decades, um, talk about how you've seen scouting kind of evolve, if you will, um, in the same ways that I guess, in some ways, even though masonry sticks to you know our age-old commitments and so on, there, there, are, there are changes in masonry that are going on. So talk about how you've seen scouting evolve over, over time. Well, I want to say that uh, my uncle was a lone scout. When scouting first began in America... Around nobody wanted to be his friend. And nobody wanted to be his friend. I should have been in that troop. <laughs> <laughs> when when uh, scouting began in 1910, there were there weren't a lot of troops. There weren't a lot of scout leaders, and 
the program wasn't well known as it is today. I mean, we have all kinds of social media, we have the internet, we have ways of getting information that we just certainly didn't back in 1910. And so there were a lot of people who, who got in touch with the scouting program, but it took them a long time to complete the requirements and to earn merit badges and find merit badge counselors. And then over the years, as I was a young guy, we'd watch movies. Uh, uh, what was the guy's name? Murray, who did Follow Me Boys. And everybody remembers that movie from my generation of, you know, here was the, the local guy. He was, a, you know, and he was He's the scout generation leader. between Brian and me. So <laughs> I, I don't remember that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John, Brian remembers, so. But, you know, so the, you, you saw it as more of a, a rural, spread out kind of program, but it was certainly much more advanced than the Lone Scout program. And as, as Brian and I grew up, we'd, we had I, old I Boy Scout handbooks that we learned from, and you had new ones. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, as in the 70s, scouting made a big push towards urban scouting to try to get scouts involved in the neighborhoods so that they could learn these outdoor skills too and learn from the oath and the, and the law. So and today it's, it's pretty fast-paced with changes and updates and all the different types of materials you can make a tent out of today or a sleeping bag. Now I understand you can actually just make a tent with your printer and... Uh use 3d imaging and you've got it right you can build a house with them so oh, okay yeah. i guess you could build you a could make an eagle scout badge for yourself oh wow yeah I, you know from from my experience i didn't from the time i was a scout to the time i i went through you know as a scoutmaster and stuff the really the core was was the same and there really wasn't much difference the, the value of the program was there built into the program so it didn't need to be changed um, a lot of the changes that we're doing are, are relating more to social norms than than anything else and like any other program scouts goes up and goes down i was a scout uh you know in the late 70s and, and early 80s um it wasn't a popular time to be a scout at at that time funny enough my boys went went through um and they had no problem in school where when I was a scout in, in high school, you didn't say anything. I did it. My friends were in it. But we did that outside of school. Nobody nobody heard about it because you just didn't want to get harassed about it. My kids went went to school with, you know, their troop T-shirts on and stuff, both of them, and uh, were quite proud and had, you know, their friends did the same thing. So it was a different dynamic, and, and it was just kind of social, you know, the social uh, norms of the day, I think. Um, but for the program itself, I think in the in the last ten years, there's probably been more changes in it than than much before that. But the values haven't changed. No, they haven't. Yeah, right after 9/11, there were a lot of uh, a lot of soul searching going on about where America was going, and there were people saying that we need to return to the old values. And scouts at that time said, "We don't have to return. We still have those same values." But the, right. the programs have changed. Merit badges have changed. When I was a scout, there was no computer merit badge. <laughs> there were no there computers. Was no, <laughs> the, there was no space right. exploration uh, merit badges. So a lot of the program had to change <clears throat> because the, the world yeah, yeah, has changed. Brian had the abacus the, badge. The abacus, yeah. the abacus badge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. 
You know, but I'd like, like to I'd like to comment about something you said about your boys going to school and so forth. Mm-hmm. When I served on the Eagle Board of Review, we used to ask certain questions, and, and one of those was, "What do your friends think about you being an Eagle Scout?" Mm-hmm. And just about to a scout, they all all said the same thing. When I was in middle school, the kids thought it was dorky being a Boy Scout. Now that I'm an Eagle Scout, and they know that I went to Philmont Scout Ranch out in God's country in New Mexico, and I climbed to the top of Mount Baldy, 12,441 feet. I went whitewater rafting. I went sea kayaking. And the other kids said, we think it's really cool that you're an Eagle Scout now. But back in middle school, it was dorky. And if, if kids can make it through that and not give up scouting for girls like the guy next to me. Or cars. The, the or local cars. star. The local yeah. star. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just kind of like the Masons. Yeah, exactly. I you mean, know, if you can get through the first couple of years, it's really dorky. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, then, then it gets kind of cool. Then you find out about Grotto and uh, some of the other... Oh, yeah. The dependent bodies, or you create a podcast, and yeah. you just have fun. <laughs> exactly. So, um, is the uh, scouting ritual printed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, In fact, the order of the arrow was very secret at one time. Uh-huh. Yes. And parents were worried about what was happening, because they heard about it's an ordeal that they're going to go through, and you, you have to be silent for a 24-hour period. You carve an arrow. How did you, and you do that? Well, you wouldn't know. Cause you, you had five chances and you screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just meant, how did yeah. you do that? I don't remember. I know, I know I couldn't do it, so it was a good thing I had schedule conflicts. Yeah. If a Brian talks in the woods and nobody hears him, <laughs> yeah. it never happened. Really speak. That's right. It really happened. But you hang this wooden arrow around your neck, you know, and if you screw up and you talk, they put a notch in it you know if you get so many notches it'll break yeah, you know yeah. that sort of thing it's kind of would a big have, joke but it's so that you, you turn your chips. your turn your thoughts inward which is something you know masons in pennsylvania ought to consider and probably the whole united states is a chamber of reflection I was say the chamber yes. of reflection yeah and, uh, and we can't do that despite the fact days. that uh, our opening charge says uh, wisdom seeks the secret shade and the lonely cell designed for contemplation that sure sounds like it does sound yeah that doesn't sound like it, it? Yeah. yeah so you guys during the break we're talking about His some name of these is brian hill <laughs> he lives in sonic village they can't hear you Larry. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, before Just the break, you guys were talking. Grand Lodge wants to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we can th- air this after he gets his 33rd. That way, he, they won't screw it up. All right. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Uh, before the break, you guys were talking about, and the, this may be an appendant body that you referred to in, in scouting, like the uh, Buffaloes and the Bob Whites and something else. He's an owl. An owl. Oh, you're an owl. An owl. Well, now that a wise that, woodsy. You, you know, owl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, all, it all's coming clear now. All right. <laughs> so, so the, tell us about the Bob Whites and the Buffaloes. We we have a uh, leadership program uh, for scouters. 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 You know, adult scout leaders. Uh, once you go through other basic leadership courses and outdoor understanding you can uh, participate in a, a leadership course called wood badge maybe ken wants to say something about his experience as a buffalo mighty mighty buffalo tatanka 
Um, so what they do is they take the the scouters and uh, you start out in a as a weeblo. They transition you into a Boy Scout troop, um, and then you're put into patrols. And all the patrols have what they call critter names, so they're all named after animals. Um, obviously, we have a bunch of different animals here. Um, I am oh, a mighty buffalo. Proud of it. Um, and so you're formed into that patrol for the rest of your uh, training for the program. And so you're out camping, and they're teaching you leadership skills so that you can pass those on to the boys. Um, and um, you just form – it's like any other patrol. You form bonds with these people. So actually, um, Bill McQuaid, Brother McQuaid, was in my patrol at, at Wood Badge the year I took it. Oh, so, my God. Is he a buffalo? Yeah, he is a buffalo, too. Yep. And then uh, – And I thought you looked like a beaver. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. I'm not sure I want to. Oh. Uh, got them all buffaloed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Larry has already gone to take a break, so uh, we should take a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to thank our Patreons and uh, pay for some bills, and then we'll continue our conversation. Hello, Masonic Light Podcast listeners. This is Jack Harley. Just wanted to let you know, Effort of Lodge, number 665, is excited to announce the 2019 Lodge in the Woods to be held on Wednesday afternoon and evening, September 18th, 2019, at the J. Edward Mack Scout Reservation in Newmanstown, Pennsylvania. Gathering will begin at 4.30 p.m. with dinner service starting at 5 and we'll continue until 6.30, at which time we will all retire to the campfire circle to commence the meeting at 7. Officers from each lodge in the 1st Masonic District will assume the chairs, and Right Worshipful Grandmaster S. Eugene Herrett, along with a host of Grand Lodge officers, will join us for the presentation of numerous awards and honors to several worthy brothers. A steak dinner with all the trimmings will be served. Cost for the dinner is $30. Proceeds... After expenses will be donated to the Grand Master's Initiative. Tickets may be purchased by contacting any Worshipful Master in the 1st Masonic District, online at eventbrite.com, or mail your check to Ephrata Lodge No. 665, Lodge in the Woods, 29 West Main Street, Ephrata, Pennsylvania, 17522. Membership in the Masonic Fraternity is required. And all Masons, Entered Apprentice, Fellow Craft, or Master Mason, will be welcome. Lodge in the Woods is a rain or shine event. There is some walking on uneven terrain, but there will be transportation on site for those who need it. Brothers, come out and join us at the 2019 Lodge in the Woods. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Before we get back to our scouters, I wanted to... um mention the true heroes of our podcast, and that's you, our listeners, and the Patreons, especially the Patreons, because they send us money. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, a big thank you out to, uh, and, and everybody, they're all Masons, so uh, brothers Dan Madrigal, Mike Hambrecht. You're forgetting Mike, one. <laughs> Brian, no, Brian. Brian, you don't, you're not on the you're recurring. You're not on the list. You're not on the reoccurring contributors list. You sent us money once. Yeah. What have you done for us lately? You get the yellow sticker. <laughs> 
These guys send money every month. They probably yeah. don't even remember. That's it. what it's like when you're a star. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think the opening and closing of the show. There's a lot of class involved. With that. Oh, now he's, <laughs> I think that's now he's wanting residuals. <laughs> we'll trade you just like. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. There you go. Get, get <laughs> Send you to Cleveland. <laughs> All right. So Dan Madrigal, Mike Hambrecht, uh, myself, Pete Ruggieri, Larry Maris actually got off a little bit more money, and he contributes. All right. Uh, brother All right. Jim Stevens. Big Larry. And uh, brother Jason Brewster. So thank you, guys. And if you guys want to... Go on our website, MasonicLight.com. Oh, Tim Dedman. Yes, that's right, Tim Dedman. Uh, go on our website, MasonicLight.com. Click on the Patreon button, and you can help us out. Thank you. This is Tim Dedman with the Masonic Light Podcast, and tonight I'm joined by Josh Gerstenlauer. Uh, Josh is the scribe for Samuel C. Perkins' chapter, uh, Royal Arts Chapter number 209 in Mechanicsburg. And uh, Josh, tell us a little bit about the uh, special program you've got coming up on March the 20th. Well, it's a unique open program that we will be having a dinner served beforehand and then discuss the uh, currently popular topic in Pennsylvania, cannabis. Yeah, that is a very popular topic. I know that uh, the lieutenant governor is going around the state holding forums and so on. And so tell me a little bit about what the program will entail. Well, uh, as an educator, I'll be presenting a short PowerPoint, just giving a sort of an overview of history, connection with Pennsylvania, why is it valuable to the common man, and we'll follow it up with a panel of professionals answering any questions that the, the attendees might have, such as uh, questions about the law, questions about the medical value, which will be answered by a local lab director and medicinal chemist who will be joining us, as well as uh, having sent out an invitation to Brother Scott Perry, we may have a congressman with us to field some questions. And so uh, this is more about sharing common knowledge that's out there about cannabis and the current laws that are on the books. Is that is that it? Yes, it's, uh, it's growing rapidly with a sort of a medical community in Pennsylvania. Additionally, at the uh, federal level, we have bills in both the House and Senate discussing recreational uh, or full legalization of marijuana, as well as uh, taking away uh, certain people's records and things like that. All kinds of things are coming up as topics of current interest. Okay, so if someone wants to attend this, again, it's on Wednesday, March 20th, and where is the meeting held? At the uh, Lodge building in Mechanicsburg, right on Market Street. and the dinner will be served beforehand, I believe, beginning around 5.30. You just need to have $10 at the door. And though the meeting will be closed and brief, uh, the program will be open to non-members, family members, uh, companions and brothers alike, uh, which will be held downstairs as soon as we close the meeting upstairs. Okay. And so if someone want, just wanted to come to the meeting, they could come, say, at 745 or 8 o'clock, probably be about the appropriate time? We'll probably set the time for the beginning of the open program at 8 p.m. Okay. And that's at uh, the corner of Cedar and South Market Street in Mechanicsburg uh, is where the meeting is held, correct? Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you, Josh. And I uh, would like to invite all of our listeners who might be in the area to come join that. Uh, and I just want to thank Josh for uh, uh, giving time today. Uh, and for the Masonic Light Podcast, uh, this is Tim Dedman. 
Oh, Tim, welcome. I, I missed most of that. I was out. Uh, I was outside having a smoke. Um, but I'll. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah, so we had a, a cannabis discussion at Ubar Grotto mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. So I guess really is just crossing all over Pennsylvania. Just it really is, and um, I think uh, if, if you're listening to this podcast on the day or the second day after it's released, you've still got time to attend. Uh, the date is March 20th, and uh, it really is about uh, inquiry and knowledge, and and uh, it's certainly a popular topic out there. So well, we'll wait till uh, it officially gets approved before we do our. Uh, marijuana and Freemasonry, a retrospective <laughs> episode. So, just let me, I wanted to make it clear there are no free samples uh, being okay. given at the uh, event. So, uh. all right. Well, one of the other things, the uh, high priest and uh, my son's a scribe of the Royal Arts Chapter there in Mechanicsburg. Uh, one of the things they really want to get across to uh, the audience, uh, probably more Masons than anyone else will attend. Uh, but they they want to they want Masons to understand what is going on out there. There are still a lot of Masons out there who don't know anything about marijuana, or they hate everything about marijuana. Now they're going to focus on the medical marijuana piece of this, and what are the laws, and what does it do for you, and how has it been helping people? So they're not they're not out there trying to drum up business to sell marijuana or recreational marijuana or anything else they're looking at medical marijuana <laughs> as Brian and we have some badge. pharmacists in our <laughs> we have some pharmacists who uh, you know are dead, showing ID dead set now? against it so there will be a pharmacologist there I have an ID too oh. no that's his uh, this is a patient oh. yeah <laughs> Brian showed a badge I showed my patient card <laughs> <laughs> We'll have a we'll have a uh, discussion on a future episode. Absolutely, it sounds like we have to. So that that'd be great. So back to our conversation about scouting. I know that in the news and uh, there's been a lot of changes. And and we were talking earlier about the um, the progression, if you will, of scouting. Uh, so for this last segment of our show, thought we would talk about kind of scouting today um, and get your all's thoughts on uh, scouting as it exists today. Well, there's been a huge change. Allowing girls in. Uh, for some scouters, not myself, but some scouters, it was it was a tough pill to swallow that we're going to be taking girls in. But I was uh, telling some folks earlier this evening that uh, one of my friends in England showed me the picture of his council magazine. And in the centerfold was a photograph of Windsor Castle with all these scouts there. The queen was greeting the new queen scouts. Queen scout is the equivalent of Eagle Scout in this country. And they listed the names of the recipients in that county. And I said, Ralph, half of these are girls. And he said, yes, Brian. We've been co-ed since the 60s. You're way behind. Now, the real uh, impetus for making this huge change is really the numbers. The numbers for scouts have been going down. So I think the, uh, the big-time leaders saw an opportunity to increase membership was the real motive force behind this. But that's okay, 
because well, I think part of that too was the Girl Scouts were underserving the you know the the female youth of the country too. Well, when I was a, a scout executive back in the seventies, they did a survey of girls, and they found out that the girls wanted to be doing the same thing that the boys were doing, and the Girl Scouts never really responded, and as a result, uh, the Boy Scouts now Scouts BSA are attracting girls in great numbers. There are troops being formed all over the country right now. I would imagine there's some, maybe not on the local level, but on the high level, some animosity between the uh, Girl Scouts organization, probably thinking that uh, uh, really hurting them? It, it carries down to the local level, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the Girl Scouts have sued the Boy Scouts. So, yes, there's animosity, and it's okay. now in the courts. It, um, so part of that... I think the hesitation here in in the states is we're just a much more Puritan society. You know, uh, it, it's kind of funny. Europe has been much more progressive with nudity and and coed everything than than we have, and you know we've been lagging behind that. That's that's no surprise socially. Um, so it's it's just one of those things. We're going to get get through it. I have been impressed. I was worried the way they were going to do it was was my biggest fear being a scoutmaster you take on you know i always felt when i took the kids out and i was a scoutmaster i was their parent i was responsible for them whatever happened there was on me personally um that's a huge burden and i always felt that was a a, a tremendous burden and for me to mix co-ed where i had teenage boys and teenage girls together and it was going to be very difficult to control i mean we all know what we're like as as youth you know if if I was camping with a girl and I liked her, I was going to try and find a, a way to sneak out and meet her at night and stuff like that. That was would was my biggest concern, and I didn't know how they were going to address it when they came out with they just announced that girls were going to become uh, part of the Boy Scouts. How are they going to help control, facilitate control on that to minimize the exposure for the adult leaders? And because they have separate boy troops and separate. Uh, girl troops um that's and and have to have the female leadership which which is good they've they've mitigated a lot of that but up front before they announced it to on the local level they didn't do a very good job of informing the the leadership the local leadership that on the troop level so when it came out it was kind of a big surprise and and the big word was how are you going to do it um so that i think they they failed in one respect in in informing the the leadership that was going to be affected by their decision um but it, they've done a pretty good job of the way they've organized it i think I'll, I'll i'll just say from not being inside this issue like you guys are anytime i hear scouting come up in the topic of of girls in scouting the people that are the they're the, the loudest and the most vocal they're not even in scouting and they don't know anything about it. And when I, you know, point out that like uh, Chris Gibson has been on the show before, he said he went to um, the World Jamboree and he just says, yeah, there was only one country there that wasn't co-ed or two. Yeah. And, you know, the rest of the world is already way ahead of us on this. So the United States and Saudi Arabia were the only two countries that yeah, were not co-ed. That, uh, yeah, but you know, they did a very smart thing. Uh, you just alluded to it, that there are separate boys and, and girls troops. They recognize that uh, the rate of maturation of boys and girls, especially in those middle school years, are the girls are so much far ahead of the boys that 
the the boys even when we're get... adults, they're further than ahead than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> well, I'll get back age. to you. The, uh, what was the likelihood of you finding a girl that would go off into the woods with you at night? But that's something else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Slim to none. laughs> but they recognize that, and that's why they they separated the two programs. Now, I don't know if it's going to remain that way forever, but for right now, I think it's a fantastic idea. It'll be good for the girls. It'll be good for the boys. The Girl Scouts have something called the Gold Award that's supposed to be equivalent to Eagle Scout, mm-hmm. but it never took the stature of Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. And you know, as as we've progressed as a, as a nation, and we recognized uh, the contributions that women can make to our society today, I think they need the opportunity to become Eagle Scouts, because you, you talk to uh, young men, uh, one of my scouts went for an interview at uh, the Philadelphia uh, Osteopathic College to become a doctor, and about the third question they asked him was, oh, I see you're an Eagle Scout. He said, yes. And they talked about camping and everything. And he was in school because he was an Eagle Scout. Uh, A young man who goes into the military today, when he gets out of basic training, he's promoted because he's an Eagle Scout. There's a recognition that that means something. And it's not so for the gold award with a Girl Scout. So I think it's wonderful that we've given young women that same opportunity that the boys have had all these years. Being the father of a 13-year-old who is in Girl Scouts, um, uh, she has expressed interest that uh, the Boy Scouts, the friends that she has that are in Boy Scouts, get to do a lot more fun stuff, as she describes it. And uh, certainly she's really into camping and that kind of thing, uh, that you you get a little bit of it in the Girl Scouts, but not to the extent not, that not uh, to the extent. you do within the Boy Scouts. I, I sat on, on both sides of the coin because I have two boys and a daughter, and I wanted my daughter to be able to be a Boy Scout. My kids are all in their 20s now. I wanted my daughter to be able to be, you know, do the same thing that the Boy Scouts did. But again, I had that hesitation in, in the mixed troop mm-hmm. that, you know, I I very much value the program, the way the Boy Scouts of America Scouting BSA promotes their program, having the youth train the youth, youth leadership, the adults there just to kind of you know, guide the program that those are all fabulous values and, and they can't learn that kind of stuff in just about any other program out there. And the Girl Scouts from, and my daughter was a Girl Scout, my wife was a Girl Scout leader. The Girl Scouts totally missed the boat in the way their program, in, in my opinion, the way their program was run because they isolated the girls by age group and they didn't have the interaction where they could teach each other and lead each other and stuff like that and so those i you know i applaud the scouting bsa for doing what they've done it's just when you're sitting on that other side and you're the guy taking them out and you know the responsibility you're taking it it's a you you have to be hesitant especially in today's day and age with the responsibility and it only takes somebody making even an inappropriate um, claim that you've done something wrong and so those that's where my hesitation came in wasn't that girls shouldn't be involved in it is how are you helping to protect the adult leaders who are volunteering and that's a really slippery slope to, to you know you've got to really have your ducks in a row um, for, for, for me the, the issue is really apprehension by some of the scouters, the scouts, the parents, because they don't understand the program or they haven't heard about such a thing before. Uh, having been uh, the uh, having the opportunity to be an adventure crew leader and doing the adventure crew tr- adult leader training, 
And all scout leaders every two years must take youth protection training so that they understand what are the issues with you know, youth and what are the issues with bullying and what are the issues with how they interact with each other. And when when uh, Brian grew up, there you were know, no cell You know, I didn't appreciate phones. the way you bullied me on the way down. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, you're a buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> she well, does Bob, it all the time. All Bob Whites can bully buffaloes, yeah. But, you know, what I found going through the training is that now you have to take a second youth protection training because this group is co-ed. This group is 14 to 21. You can't have an 18 or 19-year-old troop leader or crew leader. So having familiarity with that and, and it wasn't a problem, okay, I had a good experience with it. I, I, I felt comfortable with it. So if I was a, a, a scoutmaster today, I would feel much more comfortable with it. So what I'm thinking is, is that down the road, there will be less apprehension, and oh, yeah, people yeah. will as start it becomes, to understand as, as it becomes going more on. more normalized. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you talk about two deep leadership, now you got to have two females and two males. Yep. So, uh, but if you have that, and the same thing goes for. Now that there's an openness about the gay community being scout leaders or scouts, you know, the same thing. It's too deep leadership. So what are you worried about? You know? Well, we've had girls in scouting for a long time. Oh, yeah. The exploring program. Yeah. uh, That was girls 14 and up. And sea scouting. So we've had experience with it before. Mm -hmm. So it's not really that new. It's just that the ages are younger now. Right, and we have some different issues to deal with, but uh, and again, again, it, it was you know the way it was brought up, it was there was no preface for anybody who's actually involved to 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 understand what they were going to do. You know, I didn't see any, and I was on the committee and never heard any. You know, it, if I recall, that, that was the fault of your council because I thought we were very well informed. If I in, recall, in Brian, Explorer Scouts, which I was one. Back in uh, 1961, 60, 61, and 62, I think it was, what, 63 girls were allowed to become I think it was part of the Explorer yeah. Scouts. And Sea Scouts, somewhere along the line, too, was back yes. in the, in the uh, very early 60s. Mm-hmm. So we had females in, of course, not while I was there, because I graduated from high school in 62, but we did have them the year after. So there were some advances there. Larry speaks. That's very yes. amazing. He woke up. You know, this has been a great conversation. And Larry ruined it, so and we should just go home. We should just go home. <laughs> did, but, did, uh, there's wait. one thing I wanted to sure. bring up. That, uh, one of the interesting aspects that I, I always mm-hmm. note, when you get around a bunch of Masons, you wind up talking to a bunch of Masons, and you won't necessarily know that you're Masons until it happens. Somebody's going to do something, and they mention I'm going to do something for Lodge, and then the conversation comes up. I've found the same thing to be with Eagles. You'll be in a room, you'll find you're yeah. talking to the same people, you're having great conversations with them. It's never come up, and then something will spark. Somebody's going to do something, and you start talking about scouts. So you wind up with very much the same same kind of aspect that you're. You know, a lot of my friends are Eagle Scouts, and I didn't know they were Eagle Scouts for years after I I had Now you can identify them. Yeah. The Pennsylvania Masonic Youth Foundation, along with the National Eagle Scout Association, have come up with a very attractive pin for your lapel that says Eagle Scout 
Freemason. The uh, National Eagle Scout Association only ordered 300 of them. Well, so they were gone within two weeks. <laughs> I bet. When uh, Tom LeBall, which all of us know, when he put that on his Facebook page, in a day and a half, there were 700 shares of that Facebook post. I think I might have been one of them. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they sold out. They're going to they're gonna get thousands of them now. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't think they realized when we started this this whole show about scouting and Freemasonry, it comes together. Yeah. It's it's just fascinating the way, you know. The it's too bad they can't see Brian's hand gestures while yeah, he's speaking. He is. You know. he's, is he part Italian? So I'm Italian. Us. I understand it fine. <laughs> I just think it's a real neat dynamic the way you wind up associating with these people. You don't necessarily know their backgrounds yeah. or anything. You become friends and then find out that you have these similarities. Um, it, it's just kind of an interesting. It, it, it happens in in all things. I mean, I've always no, saw like people in um, in like law enforcement tend to gravitate towards each other. Mm-hmm. People in nursing because we when you have a shared set of experiences yep you just find yourself you get along with these people better and well gentlemen thank you so much we had a we had a uh an adequate show (laughs) (laughs) no we had a very good show thank you everybody um go around quickly does anybody have anything exciting happening in the next couple weeks in, in freemasonry um, most of it will happen before this show goes out, so we'll pass on that. Uh, April 28th, Sunday, April 28th, is the next meeting of the Cigar Lodge up at Cigars International. It's a little far out, but folks can go ahead and get that on the calendar. Um, that's all I have. Blood for Academy and Masonic Knowledge is coming Saturday the 16th. Oh, so it would have been a week and a half so, ago. So if you're hearing yeah, this podcast, it's already <laughs> happened. <laughs> I have, um, at some point in the next couple of weeks, I'll be getting installed as Thrice Illustrious Master of Goodwin Council number 19. So I get another merit badge there. And my, another Masonic Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Got to catch them all. Yeah. Larry, let's get out of here. All right, let's go. Special thanks to Effort Lodge 665 for making this gorgeous, beautiful, warm studio available. Our thanks also to Josh, our producer, who makes the show listenable. Special thanks also to, to our news director, Jack Harley. Where's Jack Harley? He's not here he's again. Working. Our news director hasn't been here for two he's shows. He's working. Hopefully he's going to call in some news. I hope so. Jeez. Also to Michelle Snyder, who is our Masonic-like podcast symbologist and frequent guest on the show. And also, too, I just want to make one mention, since we're talking about scouting and brotherhood and Masonic brotherhood and so forth, definition of a friend. A friend is someone who will bail you out of jail. A best friend is the one sitting next to you saying, boy, that was fun. Good night and thanks for listening. This is Larry Maris. This is Pete Ruggieri. Tim Dead. This is Josh. Clockwise, Josh. <laughs> this is Tim Dedman. And I'm Ken Robinson. <laughs> Dave Gerstenlauer. Bob Lee. 
This is Brian Hill on the Wimachtendink Wingalausik with the Hemaway, which means the Brotherhood of Cheerful Service, the Order of the Arrow. We've been talking on this show about scouting and Freemasonry. It's a perfect example. We'd like to thank our legal team of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howell, and also the wardrobe for Larry Maris from the Dead Man's Boutique at the Masonic Village at Elizabethtown. And it even had my initials on it. <laughs> Good night and God bless. Bye, everybody.